that creak that you hear, that sound you might have heard, should you go investigate? I don't know. But these stories that I have for you in this haunted installment of Unsolved Wyoming might make you think twice. I'm Renee Nelson, and this is Unsolved Wyoming. folks. Thanks for joining me this week. I wanted to let you know the audio is a little rough on my end on this episode. Jill sounds great. I sound like I'm underwater. We had a hard time connecting via the recorded cell phone line, and so we had to do it over a uh, a video recording, and it just it's a little rough on my end, and there's a delay. So for the most part, Jill sounds amazing reading her stories, but it does sound like I'm interrupting her, unfortunately. And so I just wanted to let you know about that part two, which features more of Jill's stories, that will come not next week, but the week after. So much cleaner. So be sure to stay tuned for after Jill's interview to get the DCI updates sponsored by Missing People of Wyoming. Folks, I am so excited. I am on today with Jill Pope. And for those of you who are around the Cheyenne area or northern Colorado area, you have probably seen Jill's books around. She has four of them actually, but the one that I see everywhere is probably the Haunted Cheyenne book, which was released in 2013 and has also been adapted for middle school age students as well, known as the Ghostly Tales of Cheyenne by Mary Kay Carlson from the Haunted from Haunted Cheyenne. She also has Haunted Warren Air Force Base, which was released in 2014, as well as the Gracious Ghost of Cheyenne 2021. And then her last book, looks like which it was just released this year, Cheyenne Past and Present 2023. Welcome, Jill. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Fun to be here. Yes. And we actually have a really fun connection. And so I went to high school with your son. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After I first spoke with you, I asked him, he's like, oh, yes, I absolutely remember her. So fun times. So, yeah, <laughs> it just shows you how small our little world is around this part. So can you tell us a little bit of background really? and how you got started in all of this and just a little bit about you? Sure. I was the director of operations for Visit Cheyenne, which was the um, Cheyenne Area Convention and Visitors Bureau for 20 years. And um, I retired in February of 2021. It's an organization um, that promotes tourism for Laramie County. And I, as part of that job, I also manage the uh, four Cheyenne Street Railway trolleys. Um, and they offer historic tours that are a good, great introduction to Cheyenne. Uh, you know, they tell colorful, colorful stories of the past and the present. And tourists and, and locals alike um, get to see what attraction Cheyenne has to offer and hear some of the old cowboy 
stories and rowdy beginnings. Um, but in October, they do fright scene tours. And, um, you know, I always had an interest in paranormal and unexplained events, but then getting to collect all the stories for the tours every year really fueled that fire in me. Um, the you know majority of the ghost uh, trolley tour riders were local residents, and Cheyenne is not um, a tour season. It's not a strong tour season in October. So with all the locals attending the ghost tours, we had to have a lot of stories. So we were always out there asking everyone that lived in an old house or worked in an old building if they had stories to contribute uh, for our routes every year. Uh, we never made up stories. We just um, told stories that people believed to be true um, where they felt they had encountered something paranormal. You know, people want to know if I believe in ghosts and I feel like I've been told way too many stories for all of them to be, you know, debunked. I think there's definitely some other, I don't know, veil or, or, you know, world out there that we're not privy to seeing that much of. I think there's a lot of scientific factors that can explain a lot of the stories that I've been told over the years. But, you know, in those Wyoming winds, they can absolutely, you know, get, mess with your minds and make some weird noises and, and movements and get our imaginations going really strong. But I think there's there's some truth to a lot of it. So then as I was doing a blog for Visit Cheyenne one Halloween, I was contacted by History Press and asked if I would be interested in doing a book. So that's kind of where it all started. <laughs> that was in 2013 with Hollywood Cheyenne. So yeah, I love fun. that. It's absolutely so cool how it fun. kind of like morphed into, you know, you just kind of doing some trolley tour stuff and then a blog and then it turned into you writing books, which I think is right. amazing. Absolutely. It did. You know, a lot of people's stories when they have something like this, you know, or you hear different actors or whatever, you know, it, it all just happened organically. And, and that's how this was for me. And it was really, it's really been a fun road. So the variety of people that have told me stories because in our minds, you know, we often have a a personality like we've seen on TV of who's going to believe in ghosts, somebody that's really flighty and kind of, you know, crazy. But I've heard stories from every walk of life, every age, every racial group, you know, so that makes it more interesting to me as well. You know, when you hear from rugged ranchers and blue collar workers and not just a 20 year old young girl. <laughs> so. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I think that does add a lot of legitimacy to the, you know, to the paranormal is that it's not just, you know, a, a cultural belief, but it's, it's definitely something that you're seeing across all walks of life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and these days it's changed a lot since I started, you know, in the beginning, it was hard to find a source for a good, you know, ghost story or to hear the paranormal tales. And of course, with the cable television, you know, changes and all the different networks streaming, um, there's just a lot available now for folks that are into the supernatural, whether it's ghosts or aliens or Sasquatches or, you know, just psychics, spiritual activity type of shows. So we do, you know, we do have a lot more access to it now, but, and some of the propaganda is really kind of actually preposterous, but, but it's made the subject more approachable as well. And so people are more open to chatting with me about it and telling their stories than they were 
you know, over 20 years ago when we started doing this. So, and they're just more open to the possibilities. Absolutely. And so then you started, and so I really, I like this idea too, of, um, you know, all the possibilities that are out there now, but this definitely wasn't something that was super popular before in terms. And so the trolley guides, who's also collected a lot of stories over the year, Valerie Martin, she always said, we change your names to protect the superstitious, which I, I thought was kind of cute, but. Love that. So that's really about. And you know, well, I am so and, excited. You know, I've done a lot of research. When I find a story, and then somebody comes back and and somebody different and tells me another story about the same location, then you start to wonder. Well, I wonder what what's going on there. So a lot of times, I would, if I had any free time, I would go to do research at the Wyoming State Archives and look through old newspapers and see if I couldn't find something at that location. You know, and often I found like a tragedy or something that had transpired there that really related to the activity that was going on in that building. So I thought maybe I could do some readings from some of my books if you're interested. And I'm sorry, girl, I don't mean to keep coming off. We're kind of um, a little delayed. I can't see you, and so I think your your internet's not strong enough to support both video and voice. So it just is blank on my end. I can still hear you just fine, but then I'm having, I'm, I don't want you to feel like I'm like stepping on your toes. I apologize. And so the, the last thing that I wanted to kind of ask you, since I'm also a true crime podcast as well. And so I love this, that aspect of you, well, not love, but that unfortunately you are finding that there are tragedies within these areas based off of the research that you're finding. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of different professionals, you know, in terms of like either, you know, true crime or whatnot, but this aspect that haunting sometimes are kind of like energy signatures from like really tragic events happening. Do you think that is part of when you see a tragedy happen, that there's also a haunting occurring, that there's connection between like an energy signature happening there? Absolutely. You know, I'm abs- I'm definitely not a scientist, but I do know that human beings and all the things around us, everything is made up of energy. And it seems um, to be quite proven by this point that wherever there's been or places, for instance, Gettysburg, where there was such emotional tragedy, and it can be strong emotions that aren't um, necessarily bad. It can be any strong emotion, but in those places where something transpired that was um, high emotion, you, a lot of times you can still feel or see that energy in that space. And I mean, that makes sense. I mean, there are thousands of reports of apparitions at, at Gettysburg, you know, which was a devastating battle, of course. So, so lots right. of lives taken. And, uh, yeah. I, I and totally so that makes sense totally you know, that. that the energy from the people, there's some residual energy left there. So. Yeah, and that's where we and maybe we get haunting. there's different types of hauntings and things. Yeah, it's yes. so fascinating. Yeah, and there's different types, you know, um, of hauntings and different things that I didn't really bring notes on today. But but there's a there's right. a lot of research done on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. You are actually going to do some readings from I'm- us from your book. Like I said, I've changed the names, um, not 
for all the informants <laughs> so they're not embarrassed. <laughs> but the first one I will share with you is from my first book, Haunted Cheyenne book. As a collector of unusual and paranormal tales, every now and then there's one story that really kind of stands out. And this is one for me. I've told a lot of tales of hearing footsteps when there's no one physically there, seeing glimpses of fleeting shadows or hearing voices from the thin air. And while each one of those encounters is intriguing and it adds to the collective data that I have and validates paranormal activity, there's always a desire to have just a little bit more, uh, something to really delve into and investigate. So this story came to me from a man I'll call Andy. And he was a case manager at a correctional facility in Cheyenne. He was a very no-nonsense kind of guy and not prone to embellishing. Uh, a couple of years ago, Andy and his friend Ralph were doing a remodel in a small white house in a neighborhood south of the tracks, just off of Snyder Avenue and west of the Viaduct. This area is known as South Park Edition, and there's nothing particularly eye-catching or noticeable about the home. It's very simple. But this was a dark, chilly winter night and heavy snow was falling. They were working on a plumbing project at the kitchen sink. Andy was sprawled out under the sink and Ralph was assisting from above. They heard a loud, strange noise and thought someone was entering the home. Ralph looked around and found nothing out of the ordinary. But to be safe, he locked the doors, and then they resumed work on the kitchen project. Once again, they hear the loud noise, and it couldn't be ignored. Both men walked through the entire house looking for the source of the noise. They were surprised to find the back door was unlocked. This is the door they had just locked. Nervous now, they locked the door again. And they did go back to work, but they were quite anxious. Then they heard the noise a third time. Together, they checked the back door and found it unlocked. This was all they could take. They decided to leave so that they could gain their composure. Knowing they would return soon, they left all of the lights on. They didn't want to come back into that house, having it be dark at this point. Andy laid his flashlight on the counter near the door. As they departed, they noticed that there were not any footprints in the snow. So once their heart rate had slowed down, they returned to the unassuming little house, and they were brandishing guns. Approaching the home, they looked for evidence of an intruder, and they noted that there still were no footprints in the snow surrounding the home. But what caught them off guard was that all the lights in the home were now turned off except for the beam of Andy's flashlight that he had actually turned off and left on the kitchen counter. Andy quickly flipped the light switch on as they hesitantly entered the house. They searched the whole home, going from room to room, looking for intruders with their weapons drawn. They didn't find anyone, but they were too shook up to continue working. Hurriedly, they gathered their tools and headed to the door to leave but were stopped in their tracks as they both read the words, Help me, etched in the frost of the back door window. There were still no footprints in the snow as they darted to their car. 
They finished the remainder of the project in the daylight hours. <laughs> that one always got me a little bit, but I'm not sure what they thought the guns were going to do for them, but it's kind of, kind of an intense story. I guess they were just hoping it was a person and not something spooky. Yeah. No, they never came across, you know, footprints or any real person. But, I mean, how do you explain that being etched in the glass and the noises and no footprints in the snow? So there was a lot going on there. Oh, that one, It's a, that's a good chill bumps one. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. All right. And then you're going to read a story from the Haunted Ward Air Force Base. Right. I've got a couple from there. You know, old Air Force bases are just ripe with, with stories and spirits and <laughs> Oh, Lots definitely. Good, yeah, tales I, I to tell. Oh, um, so many. I can't wait. So, uh, Francis Warren Air Force Base is located on the west side of Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming, and it's just three miles from downtown. It is the oldest active military post in all of the United States, and it's the only active federal military installation in Wyoming. This post has been continuously active since it was originally established in 1867 and is steeped with history of the generations of servicemen that have dwelled there. The base is highly populated with ghosts, despite the fact that the post was never attacked, nor was there ever a military battle fought there. Although the men were involved in various off-site battles and Indian engagements, including the Great Sioux Indian Wars in 1876. This is the same war where Custer was defeated. The history is strong here, and the spirits of many remain to tell their tales. So here's a story of a lovely lady that lived in duplex number 78A with her husband, their six children, and three spirits living all together. Not exactly the Brady Bunch, but I'll refer to them as Carol and Mike anyway. There's the spirit of a stalwart military officer who gives the family the sense that he is commanding and strong, yet benevolent. The 17-year-old daughter, Marcia, cowered when she heard the imposing male voice speaking directly above her face as she lay in bed. She hid under the covers, eyes scrunched closed, scared out of her wits. Three-year-old Bobby also saw the officer regularly and spoke nonchalantly about the man who inhabits their home. Mike and Carol had repeated problems with the boiler. The maintenance men were ready to give up in frustration, having found nothing wrong. And then it was as if someone had just turned the boiler back on and everything worked like new. It occurred to them that their man spirit was quite handy around the house. Either that, or he was behind the disturbance to begin with. This officer spirit was most often seen in the basement. Then there is a sorrow, sorrowful, wispy woman who wears black, appearing to be in mourning. She has an aura of sadness about her, a heavy sense of despair. She is only seen in the dim shadows, usually on the second floor landing of the servant stairs, gazing longingly up towards the third floor. She is yearning for her child, who is the third spirit residing in 78A. 
a young girl about five years old is primarily seen playing in the unfinished third floor. They describe her as mischievous. She likes to play pranks, rearranging the kitchen cupboards, and slamming doors. She often turns on the shower radio so that they would have to run up the stairs and turn it off. But it would stop just before they reached it. Eventually, they wised up and quit going up to turn it off. Okay, so now we have another story, a little short one, that's also happened on the base. Cindy worked in a finance office on the base. She had her son Nick with her at the office one morning. They heard music drifting over from the Argonne Parade Field. Nick was curious, so he wandered over to check it out. As Nick approached the field, he beheld the full-body apparition of a young boy saluting the live soldiers. The boy's clothes were of another era from the past. Nick intentionally watched the young spirit. After a few moments, the impression simply faded away, leaving Nick standing there in awe. Okay. And children are often quite receptive um, and see and hear more paranormal items than adults who have, you know, already kind of made up their mind they don't believe in that sort of thing. I think if you're not open to it, you're most likely not going to see it. Right. Okay, so Definitely. the next story oh, on the like- Warren Air Force Base is in quarters 124B. In quarters 124B, where their daily lives are intertwined with those from another realm, this captain's family of five moved into their charming new home. As darkness fell, they were exhausted from the rigors of moving. They all dropped into their beds and quickly drifted off. The excitement of a new home was short-lived. Tiffany and Dan were shaken from their slumber at the loud, thumping sounds of someone falling down a flight of stairs. Frightened it was one of their three children, the couple bolted from their bed and rushed to the staircase. Their hearts stopped, stopping for a couple beats. Much to their relief, there was no one at the bottom of the stairs. They did a bed check and found their children were safely tucked in their beds. That just left them standing there with no answers, no way to rationalize the loud sounds they both heard. Sounds loud enough to wake them. About a week later, the exact same thing happened again. Jolting them out of a sound sleep for the second time, both Dan and Tiffany have noticed that there is an area on the staircase where there is an isolated isolated cold spot. They feel uneasy when they walk through that space. Katie, their oldest daughter, who is 16, does not like paranormal things. The supernatural really frightens her. She timidly confided to her parents that she had woken up in the middle of the night and saw the apparition of a small girl with long, dark hair standing down the hallway. Katie retreated to her bed, shuddering. She closed her eyes tightly, denying what she had just witnessed. Her parents had not revealed any of their unexplained experiences to her because they knew it would really upset her. So this account was not encouraged by her parents. One winter night, Tiffany could hear footsteps pacing back and forth, back and forth from above on the creaky attic floor. She tried to credit the cat with the footsteps, but logically she knew that couldn't be. 
These were the sounds of heavy boots clonking overhead. The next morning, Tori, age 14, complained to her mother that she had not gotten any sleep the previous night. The loud footsteps kept her awake. Stephen, who is 10 years old, also hears footsteps directly above his room with some frequency. They've noticed the cats stare at something the rest of the family cannot see. Shedding new light on the situation, Katie accused her younger sister, Tori, of bothering her in the middle of the night, turning her lights on and off. But Katie insisted she had not done so. Tori then shared an experience she had. She got up to use the restroom when the whole family was asleep. While up, she glanced over at the mirror and was shocked to see a pale young girl staring back at her from the mirror beside her own reflection. She scurried back to bed and nuzzled in, trying to calm herself. For nights, she lay there stressed in the dark. Then, a few months later, Tiffany was standing at the kitchen counter preparing a meal. When she turned around and she was caught off guard to find a pile of plastic spoons stacked on the floor in the center of the kitchen. She realized that these were the spoons they had been, that had been setting in a container on the top of the refrigerator. How in the world did the spoons move from the top of the refrigerator to the floor? There was no sound when this happened. They have a radio in the kitchen that turns on and off with no assistance as well. This also happens with Tori's bedroom radio and the DVR cable box is often turns off in the middle of a show. After being in the house for a while, Tiffany began feeling someone touching her, trying to get her attention. Often, she was the only family member home at the time. She also sees someone walk past her in her per peripheral vision, and that happens at least once a day. Often when sitting on the living room couch, she will glance down the hall and see someone walk across the kitchen, and again, no one else is home. This was really frightening at first, but now she's come to expect it. She also sees a silhouette standing on the stairs. The attic is a great hangout space for kids and their friends. There's a non-functioning bathroom up there. The kids say the room creeps them out, and so they close the door. Every time they look, the door is wide open, so they close it again. But this happens repeatedly. The whole family often hears doors banging up in the attic, and when none of them are up there, they have tried to discount it as a win, but the house is all closed up tight and it really doesn't compute. Then something really bizarre happened. Tiffany noticed something lying in the middle of the living room floor. Thinking one of her kids had left something there, she walked over and scooped it up. It was a chain with like a military type dog tag on it. Oddly, the name on the tags was that of an officer's son. He was really a nice boy. While they were acquainted with the family, they did not interact with them much. After questioning everyone in the house, she found that no one had any answers as to how the dog tags ended up in their living room. Their kids attended a different school from this boy, and they were not in any clubs or sports together. He had never been to their home. The captain brought the dog tags to the boy's father, who was equally perplexed. The boy was happy to get his dog tags back, but to this day, neither family has an explanation as to how they ended up in a home a couple blocks away. Despite the fact 
that they have a young sleepwalker spirit dwelling in their home who likes to make her presence known in the middle of the night, the family is both comfortable and honored to live in this distinguished house with so much history. Oh my goodness, what a crazy little <laughs> turn of events and for neither of them to know how they got there. Right? You know, you just expected the kids to spend some time together or something, story. but they all flat out denied that. So very strange. Yeah, what a wild little story. That's a okay. good one. All right, and then I think you have <laughs> from Rachel Ghost. Yes, so... After I had written the other two books, I wanted to do something a little different. You know, there's a dark connotation with the word paranormal. Um, the definition of paranormal is an experience that can't obviously be explained scientifically. And after years of collecting stories, um, I know that many paranormal experiences are coming from loved ones, spirit guides, angels, but not from anything dark. This book is called Gracious Ghosts on the Lighter Side, and it's a collection of positive experiences that come from another realm. Many spirits just like to be seen and acknowledged, but have absolutely no evil intent. In fact, they are generally spending time around us as a loving gesture to provide guidance and to be around their loved ones, to watch their children and grandchildren grow and experience life guide us when we are struggling, um, giving us reassuring touches along the way. So that's what this book is a collection of times when you know it's you know who it is, friends or family, or other instances where it's just not malicious or dark in any way. So I'm going to start with a story um, that my about my ancestors that was passed down to me. My great-great-grandmother, Frances Jager, lived in St. Peter, Minnesota in the year 1862. It was a different time. The Dakota Native Americans, more commonly referred to as the Sioux, which I've actually read um, is considered derogatory terms, so we'll go with Dakota Native Americans, they were at odds with the federal government. It is no secret that the white man, especially those in the government, mistreated the Native Americans. This treatment led to an uprising that began in New Ulm, Minnesota, just 25 miles from where my family had settled. The next five months of turmoil was devastating as this battle continued. Many settlers and Native Americans died during that time. One afternoon, Frances and her two young daughters were home. She had just baked fresh bread, and the kitchen aroma was wonderful. As Frances placed a loaf of bread on the counter, she glanced out the window and saw two Native American braves coming down her driveway. Terrified, she dropped to her knees in prayer. How was she going to keep her daughter safe? Frances relayed that she that she had felt a protective spirit come from above and surround her. She continued praying as the men burst into her home. Frances stood. She took the loaf of bread that she freshly baked from her counter and offered it to the Dakota men who ate it greedily. But then they turned and left without harming Frances or her daughters. 
This was considered a miracle at that time. Okay, and the next story is also a personal story, um, a personal experience that I'll share with you. The year was 1983. Jamie and I were a young married couple, and we were so very proud of our beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby girl, Heather. She had been born four months earlier. Heather was the first grandchild on Jamie's side of the family, and she was received with an abundance of loving adoration. One sad day, we were notified that Jamie's maternal grandfather, Herman, had passed on. While he was up in his years, everyone grieved deeply. After a day of gathering with the family and friends at his funeral, the three of us returned home. I tucked baby Heather into her crib with her favorite blankie and her yellow musical teddy bear. We climbed into bed exhausted after the long and emotional day. Just as we had drifted off to sleep, we were awakened by the sounds of Heather's musical teddy bear. Now, occasionally when she would roll over, the bear might play a note or two. But this was different. Somehow, the bear had been fully wound, and the song played from beginning to end. Jamie and I looked at each other knowingly. We realized that her great-grandfather was visiting her before moving on. We could hear her cooing in response to her special visitor. The experience warmed our hearts and helped us move forward. You know, it was a toy that wasn't necessarily easy to wind. You had to really put a little wrist into it to wind it all the way. So we were pretty sure that there was some... Yes, she absolutely couldn't wind it. So we were pretty sure that it was a visit from Grandpa. Oh, I love that. Another little short story um, that this lady told me, and it warmed my heart. You know, I I got to started receiving a lot of stories from people when I would do book signings or be in public, and and I became that kind of crazy ghost lady. And so people would start... um, coming up to me and sharing their stories or emailing me or stopping by the office. And it was really nice when I didn't have to knock on doors <laughs> and work so hard to come up with all these lovely incidences and experiences. Okay. This one, a gal um, named Pam was a photographer. She took a series of five photos consecutively one afternoon. When reviewing the pictures, she was intrigued to find an apparition of a man in the photos. She was distracted from the photos when her father died three days later. Shortly after they had laid him to rest, Pam's mother noticed the photos on her kitchen table and recognized the apparition in the pictures, revealing that it was Pam's grandfather. They were comforted by the realization that he was there to help Pam's father cross over, welcoming him to the other side. Oh my gosh. There's just so many stories. Especially like in hospitals and things where, where folks, you know, the, the person and the patient will sit up or say the name of somebody that's passed over as though they're looking and speaking um, at them. So and nurses can give you all kinds of stories like that, for sure. Definitely. Wow, that, that's incredible. And it looks like you have one more short story for us. Yes, just one more. Um, In this one, tight-knit Hannah and her brother Leroy lived in a house on 28th Street and Central Avenue of Cheyenne, Wyoming. 
When Leroy began, became terminally ill with cancer, he had moved in with his sister so she could look after him. And soon thereafter, he passed away inside of their house. Then Hannah put the home on the market a year later. The realtor took some promotional photos of the house. The realtor was compelled to show Hannah one of the photos because there was a clear image of her brother Leroy standing beside the fireplace in the picture. Hannah said he was letting her know that he was okay. She often finds pennies, not just one or two, but handfuls. She believes this is Leroy giving her his two cents worth. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah, so isn't sweet. That you know, a lot of folks that I have visited with over the years didn't really like, oh, I don't like paranormal. I don't want to hear anything dark. But when you talk to them about these type of stories where it's loved ones that are still hanging around, then then they're receptive to that. And I think so many of the stories that where people even feel scared, maybe they didn't really have any reason to be scared, but just seeing the apparition of a, a lady in a Victorian dress go by or something really, you know, frightened them, but really no need to be scared. So, and I will be in Cheyenne mid-October. I'm, I'm coming back for a little bit. My husband and I travel oh, wow. and can't post full time, but we'll be there for a little while. So hoping maybe I can do some book signings and, uh, and meet with some different folks and share my stories. The Cheyenne Police Department asked for assistance in locating a juvenile via Facebook. They were found shortly later. Six cases have been removed from the DCI database and nine cases have been added. Mia Lynn Reed, last seen October 9th of 2023 in Campbell County, age 22 with blue eyes and brown hair, is 4'8 and weighs 130 pounds and is a white female. No other information has been provided. Please contact the Gillette Police Department at 307-682-5155. Lainey Blazo Young, last seen October 10th in Campbell County, age 16 with brown eyes, black hair, is 5'4 and 120 pounds, is a white female. Lainey has long, straight, dark brown, almost black hair, and she may possibly be with another male. Please contact the Gillette Police Department at 307-682-5155. Sarah Marie Antelope, last seen October 10th, 2023, in Fremont County, age 13, with brown eyes, brown hair, is 5'5", 103 pounds, and is an American Indian female. Please contact the Fremont County Sheriff at 307-332-5611. Dominic Addison, last seen October 3rd, 2023, in Fremont County, has brown eyes, black hair, is 5'2", 120 pounds, and is an American Indian male. He may be with his brother and sister. Please contact the Riverton Police Department at 307 856 4891. Drayvon Addison, last seen October 3rd, 2023, in Fremont County, has brown eyes, black hair, is 5'7, 150 pounds, and is an American Indian male. He may be with his sister and brother. Please contact the Riverton Police Department at 307 856 4891. Jade Addison was last seen wearing all black clothing. She may be with her two brothers, was last seen October 3rd, 2023 in Fremont County. 
She has brown eyes, black hair, is 5'4", 130 pounds, and is American Indian female. Please contact the Riverton Police Department at 307-856-4891. And of course, with all cases, you can contact the Wyoming DCI at 307-777-7181. And they also have the option to submit tips anonymously on their website. I hope this is helping your spooky season. And don't forget, I will have another installment of Stories with Jill coming at you later on this month. Until next time.